in the heart of Beer City, USA. Two men, one journey, to create a sports show unlike any other. Unfiltered, raw, and honest. One of them played a soccer goalie opposite Ben Stiller. The other, one scored six points on Steph Curry. These guys know their sh- Let's go! Tank Spencer, Jeremy Green, the Sportsocracy. Presented by Ingalls Supermarkets. Low prices, love the savings. And welcome into the Sportsocracy here on ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400. The Sportsocracy always brought to you by Ingalls Low Prices. Love the savings. We are live in the Ingalls studio here. I'm Tank Spencer filling in for Jeremy Green once again. Today is Mr. Caleb Peak. How are you doing, Caleb? I should have brought a lozenge today. Three days of this and my vo- my vocal cords, are <laughs> had, they've had it, man. But I'm happy to be with you. Uh, welcome into the program. Don't forget that you can hear us everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. You can also see us everywhere at thesportsocracy.com on the YouTube channel. Just uh, go to thesportsocracy.com, click on that live video link, and of course subscribe to the channel so you get all of our content here in the Sportsocracy. We promised you we were going to have a surprise interview this week. So we, we are going to pay that off. Jeremy, he's... he's supposed to be on vacation, but he came back early today to make sure that we got this one in. So without further ado, here you go. All right, gang, we have been teasing all week that we are going to have a very special interview for you this Friday. And it's, it's so important that Jeremy actually came back from his vacation just so he could be here to talk to our next guest. Uh, He is, He's going to be in town tonight. He's uh, he's well. He's hanging out. He's going to be doing his comedy at down at the Thomas Wolf Auditorium. It is none other than the machine, Bert Kreischer, with the Birdie Boy Relapse Tour at the Thomas Wolf Auditorium. It is a pleasure to have you on with us, Bert. How uh, how are you liking Asheville so far? I have to ask you. Uh, I, I love Asheville. I've been coming to Asheville for a long time now. Me and Tom Segura, one of our best friends, moved to Asheville and started the Asheville Comedy Festival. And so we've been coming to Asheville for like 10, 12 years. All right, so you're not, this is not a new thing for you. You're coming in and you know exactly how weird this place is. So we're good. Oh, I do know exactly how weird this place is. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, Well, I, I mean, we we can't wait to, 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 to see you on the stage at the Thomas Wolfe Auditorium tonight for this uh, Birdie Boy Relapse Tour. And what should people expect? If they've never seen you before, they've only seen the Netflix specials, is it, uh, is it a different experience when there aren't as many cameras around? Yeah, oh, 100%. It's a little more free. It's a little looser. This, all this material will be going on my next Netflix special, uh, and I'm shooting that in November. But it, it's kind of, I mean, I always think it's fun to go see a comedian work out his hour. And so it'll be that hour, but more kind of loose and free and less dialed in and more and, I'll, and you take bigger chances because you want to find out what's too far and what's not too far. But yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm excited, man. I think I think I think people are gonna love it. Uh, Bert, huge fan. I will be there tonight. I'll be really easy to spot as the only six five mulleted guy that's screaming how much he loves you. Uh, looking <laughs> through your YouTube, you, you you got to play at the Donald L. Tucker Center. I am a diehard, lifelong Florida State fan, and that may be a dream that. I never knew I had that you've gotten to live out. What was it like to go back to Florida State and do stand up at the Tuck? It was uh it was 
maybe one of the greatest life experiences I've ever had. Because I left Florida State after that Rolling Stone article, kind of persona non grata. Like they didn't, they weren't in love with Burt Kreischer at the time. And I, I moved to New York, started stand up, and I hadn't been back to Tallahassee in like 24 years. And and to come back, I woke up in my tour bus, I rolled out of bed, and they had literally, literally rolled the red carpet out for me. And they had a huge sign that said, "Welcome home, Birdie Boy." And and as I walked around the campus, kids were just shouting out their windows, welcome home, birdie boy. It's great to have you back. We'll see you tonight. And to do a show at, at a place that I saw Nirvana play in. I saw Nirvana. I saw Bobcat Goldthwait, Adam Sandler. I saw all these people play there. And then to be on that same stage, and then at the end to bring up the spear and, and lead everyone in the, ta- in the, in the chant, it was, it was a dream come true. Uh, so i got to ask about the spear. Uh, so I saw that they gave you your own spear, and that's something that now I, I, I am – that's a life goal of mine. Uh, as somebody that I, I applied to Florida State, and I was persona non grata before the application even went through because I was too <laughs> stupid to get in. <laughs> where does the spear live? Wait, like, where does that go? I've been trying to – since I saw that video, I've been trying to figure out where I would put that. Where does that spear live for you? It's Okay, so it's been tough because I put it in my man cave – but I wanted to put it in a place where I could pick it up every now and then. So at first, I was my wife put it up on the wall, and I was like, "No, I can't get it down." And you and you want to when people come over, you want to show it to them, let them hold it, you know, because it's the real spear. It's got leather handles wrapped in it. It's got the the head, real feathers. And so right now, it's moving around different spots in my man cave. And so uh, so right now, it's it's blocking a camera in my podcast studio because the feathers are good camouflage. But it's gonna go. I think it's going to go right by my uh, right by my desk on the wall, and so I can take it off every now and then. You're doing better than I would because that's actually uh, that would be how I introduced myself to people. I would just carry it around the streets. Like, <laughs> who is that crazy mulleted guy carrying a spear through the state streets of Asheville? Well, it was hard to check on to an airplane. <laughs> I fully believe that. Yeah, that's not going to fit any in, into any carry-ons. Uh, Bert, one of the things that me, me and my wife are huge fans. I, I think during the uh, during the shutdown when we were all locked away, I think my wife and I probably watched all of your Netflix specials and the Cabin Show and all of that more than we watched anything else. And we love the fact that you talk about your children and it's it's so great that you you know how much you love your children but you can still talk honestly about how they are as kids i kind of see that same relationship with my kids and i wanted to ask you this uh since he brought up the spear is that one of the things that uh, isla and georgia are not allowed to touch oh they can't touch it they're not allowed in my man cave there's weed in my man cave i don't want them anywhere near that okay good good <laughs> i got mushrooms in my man cave can i say anything look i when they were babies anything that was like adult i used to put poison don't touch and so yeah there's a there's a whole room they're not allowed in <laughs> i think still one of my favorite uh one of my favorite uh, uh jokes of yours is about the the, the time travel with isla and the oh. time travel and you were just so out of it that maybe it is real yeah it's funny man that that story was two different stories um when i first told it it was two different separate stories and i got drunk on stage one night in calgary and I messed the joke up, and I kind of combined them into one story, and it worked so much better. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, that's why I, every now and then you got to get wasted before you go on stage. So it's funny you said that. That's one of the questions I wanted to ask you as a low-level uh, hack comedian. And you said that one of your friends moved here to, to start the Asheville uh, comedy. I actually think I know who you're talking about. How often do you go on stage, and, and you have one idea, and by the end of your set you just go, wow, that's not really how I thought that was going to go? 
I, you know, I think a lot, a lot more often than you think, because especially, you know, when you're doing an hour, you, you, sometimes things will come out odd, and you're like, and you'll roll the dice on an idea, and then they'll kill, and you're like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Like I told a joke about last night that I never told about. Uh, I bought an Oculus just in case I ever want to hit my wife. I can put it on and be like, oh, I'm sorry, I was playing a boxing game. <laughs> As you tell it, you're like, it's the thought you had when I bought the Oculus. Because you've seen so many videos of guys punching walls. And then you're like, and then all of a sudden it comes out and you're like, is this too mean? And it gets a huge laugh. You're like, okay, well, we'll try it again tonight. Obviously, the machine is the joke that everybody goes to. With Burt Kreischer, if somebody, if you're talking to somebody who doesn't keep up with comedy and you go, Burt Kreischer, and they go, who's that? The, the machine. Oh, yeah, 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 I have yeah. heard that joke. It's one of the greatest stories, I believe, ever told in stand-up comedy. And now you guys have made a movie out of it. You were in Serbia, right, filming this movie? Yeah, yeah. I, I spent three months this past year in Serbia shooting the machine uh, and and. And it was we sold it through Legendary. We shot it in Serbia, and Mark Hamill plays my dad. So it was an amazing experience. I mean, I think I, I count my lucky stars that I got to, let alone first of all that I got to make a movie, second of all that I got to act in a movie, and third of all that I got to star alongside Luke Skywalker is like, I mean, a dream come true. I'm glad you explained who Mark Hamill is because Jeremy doesn't do movies and he he just refers to the Star Wars movies as space bears. I've space bears and talking seen, trash cans. I've never seen a Star Wars movie in my life. It's so funny my co-lead this woman from the Eastern Bloc had never seen Star Wars and she goes, "Don't bring it up to Mark. I do not want to be embarrassed." And so we're at dinner one night and I go, "Mark, Eva loved Star Wars, didn't you, Eva?" And she's like, "Oh, yes, I loved it so much." And he was like, "What was your favorite part?" She goes, Oh, the whole story, you know, good guy versus bad guy. And I go, Eva, who is your favorite character? She goes, probably Chewbacca. I said, why don't you do an impression of Chewbacca? She's like, oh, hello, my name is Chewbacca. <laughs> I've never yeah, seen Mark that. Is I the best. Be better than that. Mark is the best, man. He is so generous with with everything that you're just like, you know, if you ask any questions about Star Wars, the guy tells you everything you need to know. He's the best and, and, and an amazing actor. I, I actually said on an interview, I didn't realize what I was saying, but they're like, how's the movie? I said, Mark is phenomenal. I wouldn't be shocked if people were like, this is the best movie he's ever been in. <laughs> like, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it'll ever reach that, uh, that, that kind of acclaim. It won't even be the fifth best movie he's ever been in. <laughs> and two of those are cartoons. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but wh whatever happened to Igor? Have you ever have you ever touched or touched base with him? Of you know the guy not. the guy in the story. I mean, because I feel like that that would be a wonderful like reuniting kind of a story if it was able to come to pass. Uh, I have not, and I'm you know part of me wonders if he would like the story, like you know like I like. If it would bother him that I mentioned that he's in the mafia, right? I, like I it would I, like because you know he was you know in all fairness he was a very low level guy. He was watching a class full of kids for a month, you know, two months. So like it wasn't like he was like a hitman. And so the thing he did, and, I, and this is in the movie, oddly enough. And one night we were talking. I said, "How'd you get?" It was actually one afternoon. I said, well, "How did you get involved in the mafia?" And he was like, "You know." They said to me, hey, you got to help me with this thing. And then I helped with this thing, and I got money. And, and next thing you know, that thing is the mafia. And he's like, so, you know, you kind of help out. And 
just do small things. It's just favors for friends. And you're like, oh. So I would, I, 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 I'd be shocked if he's still alive. He lived at a pretty fast clip. Yeah. But he was only, you know, I, I ran into my teacher. My teacher from the class hit me up on Facebook. And we got on the phone and we talked. And she was like, yo, I'm in New York. Um, when I come, um, and I'm like, I'm coming to Madison Square Garden. I was like, come backstage, hang out. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to catch up. And she was only two years older than me. When I thought she was like 35, so the, is she was the, like 27. So is the is this the hot one? Yeah, the hot one. She's okay. still hot. By the way, she's hotter now than she was in uh, college. Oh, you gotta love when oh, that happens. Oh, well, yeah, because also because you know it's like I'm married, so like a 50 year old woman for me is sexy. Right. You know, like in college, if I saw her today, I'd be like, eh, whatever, hard pass. Right. But, but she's hotter now because she's, you know, you know, in college you have that freshman 15 that you carry throughout college. She's slimmed up. She looks great. And she's recently divorced. We ended up talking. We ended up hanging out all night, having wine. I hung out with her and her friends and just kind of caught up. That's great. Uh, I, I have to ask you, though. I mean, do you, you, you have to do the machine, right? Every show that you do, that's got to be your encore, I have to imagine. It is. It is. It's what people, I mean, I, I think it's what people want to hear. Um, and I have no problem telling it. Look, I grew up listening to Jimmy Buffett. Now, if I go to a Jimmy Buffett show, I want to hear Margaritaville. And so I understand that people are bringing friends out. I'm going to bigger venues every time I go into new places. So I know that there are new people that have never seen me live. And so uh, if people are want to hear it, I have no problem telling them. I was going to say, they, they, people will probably just get irate and belligerent if you didn't tell the story. I haven't told it one time. One time I didn't tell it, and it was in Columbus, Ohio, and the manager, Dave Stroop, came up to me, and he was like, hey, I'm giving you a heads up. There's some angry fans in the bar that are upset you didn't tell the machine. And I had to go out in the bar after the show and tell the machine to 150 people in a bar. <laughs> so you mentioned Jimmy Buffett, and you mentioned Nirvana. Uh, so currently we are doing, uh, uh, every February we do a, a bracket to tie into March Madness. Ours this year is the overrated band bracket, and we have ruffled some feathers because my most overrated band was the Beatles, and his was Nirvana. And when he said that, we do record this show with cameras, and that's the closest I've ever come to committing a crime on camera. Uh, is there a band that, that you really love that never got the love wide stream? Like, for me, it's Creed. I still listen to Creed in 2022, and unabashedly so. Oh, yeah. Uh, my band that never got the respect, Blind Melon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, now that's Dude, Blind Melon... Blind Melon's albums are out of this world. And they're only known for that that uh, no rain. rain song or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But I'm telling you, man, Changes is one of my – I want that played at my funeral. Oh, that's fantastic. It's so interesting you say that, too, because I was in the car with my wife, and my wife loves the Beatles. And the Beatles are, like, okay. I mean, like, I get it. But, like, they're, I, I don't think they're that good. Like – they're not like best. I mean, and my wife, I literally, she almost drove off the road. She was like, "You can't say that about the Beatles. You can say that about the Rolling Stones. You cannot say that about the Beatles. They're the best band that ever lived." And I was like, "I was like, whatever." I'm, I'm with her. I'm that's, with Leanne. That's where I'm at. Is I never said they were bad. I just said they get this respect as the greatest band ever. And I'm only 34, so I hear the, I hear the music and go, "I mean, it's fine, but is it the most yeah. impactful of all time?" I mean, I. My my other one would be you too. 
Uh, if I hear you two, I will literally uh, go out of a room, run away, get in my car, whatever I have to do. Yeah, I never owned a U2 album in my life. I never. Yeah, U2, the Beatles. There's a lot of bands where I just go look at them like, huh, whatever. I'll take Wu-Tang. Yes, that's exactly where I'm at. I'll take Wu-Tang. So there's a running narrative on this show that my 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 my, my soon-to-be wife, we're getting married in May, uh, we call her HWA, Hot Wife Amy. That is her name on the show. And I have always gotten flack for how much more attractive she is than me. So on our first date, which she did not know was a date, she got set up by a friend because I had seen a picture of her on social media. Uh, and we wind up at a table. Things are going okay. And then she asked for my Snapchat handle. Well, my Snapchat handle was I am underscore the machine. And as soon as I said that, she looked at me with this look that I realized I was going to have to go print keys very soon because th this has now taken a turn for the good. That is awesome that is awesome that's so funny my snapchat handle and can if i say it can you bleep it out uh, yeah. absolutely my snapchat handle is and so yes so and my daughter my daughter came out of school one day and she goes dad are you on snapchat i was like i think i am she goes no i, I think you are and some of the kids showed me your your, your screen and i was like really i said i don't i don't what is it and she goes well you need to change your name because it's and I was like, oh, okay. Sorry, honey. She was in fifth grade. Oh, no. That is so fantastic. <laughs> you have been the thing that bound us. We're so excited to see you tonight. We will be present and accounted for. Like I said, I'll be the very large mulleted guy decked out in Florida State stuff screaming, I'm the machine the entire time. All right. I will I will be waiting for it. Hey, why don't you guys come backstage and have a beer with us? Uh, I'm all the oh, way I would, in. I, I, I would love to, but I, unfortunately, I'm not I'm not able to come to the show tonight. Uh we we weren't able to get tickets. Oh, we can always hook that up. You guys, you guys, you guys are the the. You guys have all the tickets. <laughs> we wish, we wish. Not since the shutdown, especially and, and and especially since how well this is going. I mean, you've had to add dates in just about every or add extra shows in just about every one of the uh, the cities that you're going to be stopping in on this uh, this Birdie Boy Relapse tour. Uh, you you don't need me taking food out of your pocket. <laughs> I appreciate it. If you want to come back and have a beer, though, it's it's an open-door policy. Please come back and say hi. Awesome. Indeed. Uh, I can't wait. Bert, thank you so much for taking the time for us. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Bert Kreischer, you can check all his specials on Netflix. And tonight at the Thomas Wolf Auditorium, 7 o'clock start, it is the Birdie Boy Relapse Tour. Rogue Combat Club, Asheville's home for comprehensive martial arts training, has a goal for our community, one that's stronger, more fit, and unwavers in its support of one another. Rogue Combat Club's instructors have competed at the highest levels and offer classes for everyone from young children to adults in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, and wrestling. Rogue Combat Club classes can help you boost your self-confidence and self-defense skills while weeding out the egos and intimidation found at other gyms. Join today at RogueCombatClub.com. Hey guys, I'm Ziggy, your local Philly girl, owner of Ziggy's Bakery and Deli. I've created a traditional northern deli with only the most authentic cheesesteaks outside of Philadelphia, served with provolone, white American, or cheese Whiz. Our other classic deli sandwiches are made with the best quality meats and cheeses, available sliced by the pound. Join us for breakfast for house-made bagels with our custom cream cheeses. Or for something heartier, try a pork roll egg and cheese or house-cured lox. Ziggy's Bakery and Deli, in the corner of Asheville Commons, 1550 Henry. Andersonville Road, open 8 to 3, Tuesday through Saturday.
the sportsocracy. Pull up your pants, take off the bra, and be a man! And it's ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400. Tank Spencer, Caleb Peak is alongside with me here on this, uh, our, our last day without jeremy green on his uh on his vacation we were glad that jeremy was able to come in with us uh or with me this earlier this afternoon and record that with uh burt kreischer yes birdie boy relapse tour live on the stage at the thomas wolf auditorium tonight at seven o'clock and it, it was everything that i wanted it to be and he is the same guy. He's the same guy that you see in everything he does, whether it be his stand-up, whether it be the show The Cabin on the on on Netflix or uh, the Go Big Show on TBS. Dude is just he's an awesome character, and yes, he is he's he's one of the greatest. The machine. I I didn't put two and two together until I actually heard him start talking, and the second he opens his mouth, I'm like, oh, hang on, it's that guy. That, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's iconic though. I oh, mean, the, the, I mean the picture of the guy with his shirt off on the on the on the graphic that didn't tip you off of. <laughs> it's Friday. <laughs> it's Friday. Oh, it's Friday. It's been a long. It five is days. Friday. You could, uh There are limited tickets still available uh, for the show tonight at the. Uh, at the Thomas Wolf Auditorium, and uh, again, doors open at six o'clock. Show starts at seven o'clock. You can get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com uh, for the Birdie Boy Relapse Tour. Bert Kreischer live in Asheville. It's going to be a whole lot of fun, and uh, and yeah, I'm going to be there. He 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 actually hooked me up with tickets, so <laughs> he he took care of me. So Bert's already one of my all time favorites. Maybe you can translate this trip backstage into a trip into his man cave, huh? Oh, I hope so. That that would be fantastic. That sounds um, like the place to be. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And if you uh, if you haven't checked out the, uh, the 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 videos of his tour, he he keeps like this vlog going on YouTube. So he posts weird you know videos of his adventures in every spot that he goes to. Uh, you never know. Being in Asheville, Lord knows what trouble he could get into before the show tonight, or even after the show tonight. Anyway, uh, once again, welcome into the program, and we're going to talk some football today. Uh, we've we've done a lot of basketball over the last couple of days, but I'm just, you know, it didn't take long. It didn't take long. I came in here on uh, Wednesday and was like, you know what, it's time to focus on other things. And then after two days of doing basketball, I went, you know what, uh, football, it's just, that's, that's, that's where it's And I knew me. this was coming because I come into the studio yesterday and I'm like, what are we going to talk about? And we just kind of look at each other with a blank stare for <laughs> like, about what? 10 minutes or so. I'm like, well, football it is. No, no, no. We got, we got all, the, uh, all the football here. And I want to start out talking about uh, college football because Jim Harbaugh got a new contract with Michigan. He flirted with the NFL. NFL with the uh, Las Vegas Raiders that never came to fruition and then obviously went to Minnesota on National Signing Day he was supposed to interview for the job didn't get offered it goes back to Michigan then uh what was it two days ago I believe or, or maybe it was early or late yesterday they announced that he had gotten a new contract so he went from making the eight million dollars before to take the four million dollar pay cut after the 2020 season was, you know, crap. Basically, right. He comes back this year, leads him to the Big Ten title, beats Ohio State, gets to the college football playoff. Now he's back up to seven million dollars a year. That's not really the 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 hook for me, though. I expected him to get a pay raise after flirting with the NFL. I knew that was gonna that was coming. I'm kind of surprised it didn't get back to $8 million a year, but it's the way the contract was set up. He has a very small buyout in this contract. 
even if he wanted to flirt with the NFL next year, it'd only be like $3 million that somebody would have to pay to buy out his contract at Michigan. So I, I'm just, I'm looking at this going, he, he, he didn't take, or he wasn't offered the Minnesota job. And then he comes back to Michigan and is like, I'll be here as long as you want me to. And then the next contract he gets is like minimal buyout. Is that confidence from the from the college thinking that, okay, maybe he is right. Maybe he's telling the truth. Maybe he wants to be here and he's not going to flirt with the NFL anymore. Or did he have that worked in just in case he changes his mind? Uh, he's he's savvy i mean harbaugh has been doing this for a long time he knows how to negotiate so i mean i'm sure it's a little bit of maybe some overconfidence on the michigan sideline or the michigan side of things to offer him this knowing that, that there's a non-existent buyout that any nfl team even the houston Texans, at this point can come in and make that buyout not that harbaugh would ever want to associate himself with that brand but i mean it's that's a safe bet for michigan right i mean you know exactly what you're going to get with jim harbaugh and, and if you think about it the, the world of college football is kind of in the precursor to where the world of college basketball is at this point where now in in college basketball the head coach really doesn't matter that much we saw it with North Carolina Roy Williams for so long was the guy to play for I mean well you had coach K of course but if you were a North Mm -hmm. Carolina kid you wanted to play for Roy Williams until the big blow up with Walker Kessler and you start dropping recruits and nobody wants to play the old school brand of ball and then things begin to change coaches drop out and the new breed comes in well college football isn't quite there yet you still got your your Nick Sabans of the world you still got your Jim Harbaugh's and these are guys who were recruiting money makers so they go out they find kids and they just they turn up recruits from all over the place who want to play for the harbaugh's the big names of the world and i mean he got you to a number number two berth last year so it's not a bad decision i i like the i like the number you know 36.7 million it's large enough to turn certainly turn some heads it's going to keep you around for a while right and why why didn't harbaugh go to the nfl this year he wasn't a good fit so if he's not a good fit now, why would he not? Why, what makes him a better fit two or three years down the road mm-hmm. when he's even older now than he is? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know why he didn't get offered the job in Minnesota other than maybe they just decided that he's not worth the headache. I mean, because he's an abrasive guy. Mm-hmm. He likes to have a lot of control, a lot of power. Maybe they weren't willing to give that up. Maybe the, you know, the new GM in Minnesota, uh, Kwesi Adolfa Mensa, maybe he wasn't willing to give that much power to jim harbaugh because now see remember he he worked for jim harbaugh in san francisco so maybe he wasn't willing to give up a lot of his gm powers or roster control things like that that jim may have wanted i don't know what the reason is but i still think he's got the window to go back anytime that he wants to now i mean there's no prohibitive buyout in the contract not that that was going to stop anybody anyway i mean next year if you know things didn't go well with josh mcdaniels and uh and and you know mark davis decided you know what one year was enough now let's go after jim harbaugh it's not like he wasn't going to spend that money to buy out the contract anyway i'm just it makes it a little bit more manageable and i don't think he's i just don't think he's done with the nfl i really don't i feel like once that's in you and you haven't fulfilled your destiny. I mean, he's been to a Super Bowl. Eventually, he may want to go into it. And especially the way that the NIL stuff is working right now. Like, if 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 the college recruiting gets that much harder and he starts losing more and more and more 
to Ohio State or to Alabama or to whoever, maybe he always has that out. He always has that out to go back to the NFL. Yeah, booster clubs can really be overbearing. I mean, when you've been under the thumb of of not only the athletic department, your AD and all that, but you've also got to answer to all the boosters and all the alumni and all these people that you have absolutely no idea who they are, yet they have all of this control over you. I can see how that would get abrasive, and that would just that would really weigh heavily on you, especially someone with Har- with Harbaugh's personality who does have to be in charge like that. I don't know. Time is getting away from Harbaugh, though, and. <laughs> the past is the past he's been to the super bowl like you said but i don't know it's the the nfl is changing we saw it in miami control is hard to come by i mean you you're expected to be the head coach you're expected to be the man in charge but there's also a certain level to how much you can push before you have a mutiny on your hands you get that in a college locker room to a certain extent but at the same time these are guys that need to be coached they they expect to be coached hard they're you know ridden hard and put away wet as my grandpa would have said right so maybe if he does make the jump to the nfl I think it's probably as a quarterback's coach at some point because it's hmm. becoming a younger man's game. Is I've, it not? I, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, it is. And and teams are looking at the young hot shots. They want to get the guy in there that's going to be modern and all of that. And Jim Harbaugh may not fit that mold anymore. Maybe maybe his his skill set and his schemes and things are best suited for the college game to be in the big 10 where you can continue to pound the ball on the ground and not you don't it's not a flashy offense hard-nosed defense run the ball three yards in a cloud of dust all that kind of stuff you can still do that in the big 10 you can't do that in the nfl anymore without you know an uprising of your fan base i mean the philadelphia eagles got away with it this past year but that was only because they have a quarterback that can't throw the ball. Yeah, look what happened to the Eagles. Not very far. Well, no, not very far. I don't think anybody expected them to go very far <laughs> right. at all. Uh, big decision was made in college football today. We'll get to that in just a second. First, let's get just a bit outside. Boy, you must be outside your mind. The sportsocracy. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. I was very glad to see that there has been a there's there's been a good solution to the LA parade disaster. No, it's not that more people care and they're actually going to show up to the next parade. This was the woman who fell, the photographer who fell off of the stage at the Super Bowl 56 celebration where Matthew Stafford and his wife Kelly were getting their picture taken by this woman. And she just kept backing up, backing up, backing up, and then floop, flopped right off of the stage. Her name was Kelly Smiley. She's a sports photographer and a photo editor for the NFL and the LA Kings hockey team. And unfortunately, she did suffer a fractured spine when she fell off of the stage and we poked fun at Matt, like Matthew Stafford was out there. He just like, nope, I'm done. Nope. <laughs> and he just turned around and walked off. Kelly was, you know, heartbroken over it and was uh, gobsmacked over what was going on. Now we got a statement from the LA Rams and the Staffords as well that says, we have been in communication with Kelly Smiley since yesterday's incident, and we are sorry for what happened. As we told Kelly, we will be covering all her hospital bills and replacing her cameras, and we wish her a speedy recovery. She posted a uh, she had a post on Instagram of her sitting in a back brace, so she is you know she's she's got the back brace on, so she can't do any more damage uh, than has already been done. 
they also started uh one some of her friends started a GoFundMe campaign for her and within hours this thing has already raised $36,000 to help Kelly Smiley recover from her uh fall at the stage of the uh Los Angeles Rams parade so good on the staffords for making this right and i still feel like matthew's gonna have to answer some questions about that for years down the road it was like look dude i was drunk and i didn't realize it was as bad as it was i just didn't want anything to do with it right now moral of the story here if you want anyone to contribute to your gofundme you got to break your back because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise it's going to be on zero. Oh, it's a great cause great cause Let's see, just a bit outside. All right, if I could get my, get my tab up here. There we go. All right. <laughs> 2022 Hall of Fame induction in the WWE. Who's uh-huh. going to headline it? The Undertaker, right? Of course. Of course. The hey, dead he, man. He belongs in the WWE, but here's what's so weird about this to me, is that it's 2022 and we're just now doing this. Early in 2020 was his final was his final match at WrestleMania. That's I think that's, what, March maybe early april and every year it's in april something like that it's been a while since i've actually paid the money to watch it but yeah <laughs> it's 2020 is when he actually retired and just now just now you're putting the undertaker into the wwe hall of fame i mean that's that's what i used to call my ex-wife when she would roll her eyes at me i'm like come on undertaker you you gotta do better than that well but you, you gotta give it some breathing room i mean it's like you know it's like players in the nfl you know they're you gotta wait five years before you can get into the hall of fame now see to me he would be a guy that i would put in mid-career like you could you could go ahead and put him in it does it doesn't matter but the fact that Kane got in before him that that was a little weird because I think that was just last year last year they had the the you know the viral video of Undertaker calling Kane while he's of course the mayor in in Knoxville Uh now and announcing that he was going to be in the Hall of Fame class this year the Undertaker was phenomenal he he was he, well, I mean that's why they called him the phenom. He was the first guy that you know I really remember clinging to watching WWF right. back in the day with the purple gloves and you know rising out of the casket and Paul Bearer leading him down to the ringside. There was nobody in the business like Mark Calloway. No. And they will never be again, I don't think. It first burst onto the scene in 1990. And, like, here's the thing. For the generation before me, for Gen X, for D-Generation X, if you will, I think Ric Flair, I mean, Ric Flair was the big guy, right? He was everything. He has two Hall of Fame rings, and he's working mm-hmm. on a third for TNA at this point. He has a <laughs> ring for uh, as an individual wrestler, and he's got a ring as a member of the Four Horsemen as well. He, he became inducted into, into the WWE Hall in 08, and he joins TNA in 09. So Ric Flair is one of those timeless guys. But for my generation, it's all Undertaker all day i mean he is the ww and it's about time two years later it's long overdue yeah uh kevin vick in the comments he's a big wwe fan he says that the reason that they didn't do it sooner for the undertaker was because they couldn't have people in the building that ah. when at the ceremony they didn't have fans in the building because of the coronavirus issues and so they wanted to wait until they could have a full-on ceremony because i mean i i don't know if they do this at the same place every year or what but I mean, I bet you could sell out Madison Square Garden just for the Hall of Fame 
ceremony for The Undertaker. Especially if you did it on top of the cell. It's off of the hell in the oh, cell. Oh, the match. hell in the cell, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's quintessential Undertaker. I was <laughs> all about it. It's like, how do these people not die getting thrown off of a 30-foot cage? It's wild. Oh, it's fake. It's all fake. You know you know that. Yeah, it's, it's fake it's until you get tossed it. off of it. <laughs> it's still real to me. Your death it. is very real when that happens. Oh, absolutely. Uh, all right, so the big decision that was made today, um, I got, you know, they're not going to expand the college football playoff. We're just not getting the twelve team, the twelve team thing until twenty twenty six. At least that's at least that's how it's coming out. They all got together this week. The committees met and they realized we just we can't hammer out an agreement until way down the line. So we're just going to push this college football playoff expansion past the current contract. So the current contract runs through the college football playoff of 2026. So the 2025 season will be the last time that we have four teams only in the college football playoff. This is coming whether, you know, the ADs of the Big Ten and the ACC want it to happen. It was just, can we do it sooner than the current contract is up? That window has now passed, and now they've decided 2026 that season so in 2027 will be the first time that we have more than a four-team playoff if that is the way it goes down which i think right now is probably all likelihood is 90 10 yeah i don't see a way that uh, well i mean the big 10 and the acc came up with this whole you know voting block they came up with the agreement so they could be a more powerful voice in the room against the sec it's an alliance really right mm. they came up with this alliance and they want to they've been trying to push back against this i don't understand why i mean because you're already you're already diminished in the sport now it's it's purgatory right i mean that's that's what the state of the, the playoff is right now it's i really hated to see i mean when we when we first got into this, it's a unique concept, right? Okay, we're going to do this four team playoff. But what initially turned me off to it was the fact that you're making the the top four or six bowl games in the nation, the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, so on and so forth. All these bowl games that have a rich history and they had such meaning for so long, and now you're just taking them and turning turning them into a semifinal game. Which you know, it's on to the next one. You win the Rose Bowl, okay? Now we're going to go go get ready for a national championship. And I that always just felt wrong to me. That always just rubbed me the wrong way. It's like if you're going to sacrifice a bowl game to make it a semifinal, to make it just a stepping stone to the championship, pick a different one. Pick one that doesn't have a history like the Rose Bowl and, and all of those. So, yeah, it, something needs to happen here. I, I think the 12-game yeah, playoff is inevitable. It has to happen because yeah. that's how everything else is going. The tournament the tournament style, the tournament seeding type of tournament is in high demand. It has worked for so long for NCAA basketball. Mm-hmm. It's the natural next step. And it has to, I mean, I really didn't think it was going to come sooner than this, but you can never get anybody on the same page, obviously. So See, I misread this. I thought it was going to happen as soon as possible because I thought the money would just be too much. By waiting until 2026 to to go with the expansion college football is given up 450 million dollars in potential <laughs> revenue by not doing this i thought that was going to be enough to get all of the uh, all of the naysayers on board with fine okay we'll go to 12 that's just way too much revenue that we can't say no to 
because it's going to get spread around to all the different conferences and it's not just going to go to the power fives because the system that they're talking about wanting uh, talking about putting in place is 12 teams and you would have six conference champions well that guarantees us a group of five every year Mm -hmm. so i'm down for that and i and and i guess by that the you know the the allocation of the revenue would be spread amongst more conferences yeah, and your recruiting game increases. You get, you know, the parity kind of evens out over time. But, I mean, other than the Sun Belt, I don't really know who else is going to have much of a fighting chance. But, yeah, that's it's step one, right? Like, you put it in place right now, and then maybe five, ten years down the road, you actually do get this parity. But, yeah, you mm-hmm. do have to start somewhere. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know if we're ever going to get – I mean, eventually, I think we will get back to a point where things are a little bit more even, where you don't just have four teams that are ruling all – Maybe this does open the open the door for that, and it, it, I think Kevin Vick said it in the comments on the YouTube stream of uh, uh, they're just waiting for Saban to retire. Once Saban's contract runs out, then let's let's expand it out to twelve teams. Uh, <laughs> if we had it this year, if you'd have had it this year, you would have had Alabama, Michigan, Cincinnati, Baylor, Pittsburgh, and Utah. Those would have been your six conference champions that would have gotten automatic bids okay that's not terrible under the 12 team playoff i can live with that then these would have been the matchups in the first round you would have notre dame against ohio state immediately in the first round that is that that is a marquee game prime time you'd have had georgia and old miss in the first round oklahoma state and utah and pittsburgh and michigan state that would have been your first round matchups, and then you would have had Alabama, Michigan, Cincinnati, and Baylor all getting buys as the top four seats. I think it's only a matter of time before this happens. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. That, that would I be mean, a I, lot of fun because it adds a whole new intrigue to the to the end of the season. It's not so much. That's one of the things I always hated, like back in the day about college football was. If you lose one game, you're done. Like when we had the BCS formula. Like, well, if you don't go undefeated, you're not getting into the game. And I realized there were some years where, they, you know, it was, a, it was a fight between one-loss teams, but usually we had like one undefeated team and then a couple of one-loss teams, and then you had to have the big debate. And that's why we got into this situation of, okay, let's go to a college football playoff. Let's have four teams. I think 12 is it should be the destination now and forever. I don't think we should get into a full 16 team. To me, there's no reason that the number one team in the country should have to play in the first round of a tournament. And you're right. And I, I, it is going to happen. 16 is too many. I think 12 is the target number, and it will happen in 2026. But the only thing that could derail this is the uh, – the, the, not only injuries but the threat of injury because we're seeing that right now we're seeing seniors who have a bright future ahead of them but, I mean, doesn't matter what team you play for if you're not in the hunt for a national championship if you're not number one or immediately number two your stars if they have any draft stock at all are probably going to sit the game out and that's only with one game on the line that's with three weeks of practice between the end of the season and your bowl game so now if you're playing two three maybe maybe even four games i don't know how the math works out on that but you're playing at least three games in the postseason right uh, and if your stars are sitting out for all three of those, I mean, so you're seeing a different team now in the postseason. Oh, ain't, nobody, ain't nobody going to sit out for that. 
You don't think so? No. Once you get into a playoff, really? Yeah. You think anybody's going to opt out of a out out of the game, out of a play-in game or a playoff game? If a kid who knows he's not number, if he's not going to go number one, but he has a chance to go maybe toward the end of the first round, somewhere in the second. <sighs> I mean, it's more of an incentive to stay in the game, certainly, but. The way these kids are now, I I wouldn't put it past them. I think you are going to get some that are going to say, you know what, my future is more important than your championship. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate that some kids are feeling that way, but that's exactly what we're seeing because if they didn't feel that way, then every starter would be in every game that they played instead of sitting it out and, and letting somebody else go have a shot at it. I'm just looking at these teams that would have been in it this year, and I can't see a path. There's not really a great example of a guy who's – you know, at at the very tip top. I, I I'll use Georgia for example. They're the team that I know the best. So like Jordan Davis, who's first round draft pick, we believe defensive tackle. He could go very very high in the draft. You think there would be a path where if he knew he was coming up against Ole Miss in the first round of a college football playoff twelve team bracket, that Jordan Davis would be like, Nah, I don't want to play. It and it depends on. It, his mindset immediately at the time because i mean what would you think what would the nfl scouts think if you go into this game and you get hurt against old miss it's a game you're supposed to win sure you're, you're supposed to beat old miss by 21 28 points but then you go in and tear your acl and mm-hmm. then just immediately pfft, your entire future is done out the window yeah but that can happen in any game that can happen in you know the big 10 championship game sure it can so I don't know. I feel like as long as the kids have a shot to win a national championship, they're going to play. They're going to play in these games. That's how it should be. I, I got to see it in practice first. Yeah. I mean, this but this isn't like uh, you know Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey knew he was going very high in the draft. He was going to go top 10 in the, in, in the NFL draft and opted out of his bowl game because it was meaningless. Now, if he'd have been the 12 seed, you know, you got a shot to win a game move on take your shot at alabama maybe not maybe maybe he would still make that decision i have a tough time believing that though as long as there's a national championship on the line if i'm just playing for some rinky dink trophy and i get that people who are fans of bowl games will think that that, that's a major slight but really in the grand scheme of things now that now that the chase is for that you know that big college football playoff trophy what really does the orange bowl mean unless it's part of the playoff exactly that's the point i was making earlier right. these bowl games are meaningless now because the, the, everyone is tournament minded it's just another stepping stone to get to the ultimate national championship right. so i think the the only I way i won't sacrifice my career for the orange bowl if it's not part of a playoff if it's part of the playoff though that's a different story to me Right. Now, I mean, I think the only way that you can really stave this off is that the NCAA comes in and says, hey, postseason, you got to make your decision outright. You're either going to play in all the games or you're going to play in none of them. None of this sitting the first week, you know, just to kind of just because you're in a game that you're supposed to win. You're not going to sit this one out and come back in your second playoff game and start. No, you need to make your decision outright. Are you in or you're out? And we're going to move forward from there. All right. Last night, uh, we, we tried to give you some winners in the green on green. Um, I, I was not able to do that for you. Uh, both of my picks went south. I was really close. I was really close. But, uh, you know, Philadelphia 76ers, that was one of those that I was like, should I take the 76ers plus the points against Milwaukee? But they just got blown out, and I should have done it. I took Milwaukee instead. 
I couldn't give you a winner. Did did either of your games hit last night? I, I don't know. I haven't, even, I haven't even checked. <laughs> I Way, to keep up. Way to keep up with your picks. Here, we're going to have some picks for you for the Daytona 500 coming up next in Green on Green. The underdog. The long shot. The nobody from nowhere. Never going to happen. 100 to one shot. We know something about that. We're with you every step of the way. This week at Ingles, select 12-ounce Frank's Hot Sauce, two for $5. Select Sazas and Varieties Keebler Cookies, also two for $5. And select Sazas and Varieties Maxwell House Large Can or Pod Coffee, $5.98 each. Ingles, low prices, love the savings. Real estate isn't about properties. It's about people. I'm Clarissa Marshall with EXP Realty, your native realtor serving all of Western North Carolina. I will work hard for you, and I believe in doing the right thing every time. I market each of my listings to reach out-of-town buyers. I use a professional photographer and drone video on every single listing, as well as collaborate with agents across the country to find your buyer. Check me out online at clarissasellswnc.com or give me a call at 828-774-6343. It would be my pleasure to assist you through the real estate process. Coffee's the closers only. Get on the money! Then when you get the money... You get the power. That watch costs more than your car. Then we get the power, then you get the work. All right, welcome back into ESPN Asheville. I know Flostradamus, he he usually treats you better than I do uh, when it comes to uh, picking games, but we don't we don't have any basketball tonight. But we do have the Daytona 500 coming up this weekend. So I'm going to give you a couple of guys that maybe you should put some uh, wagers on at betus.com betus.com promo code sportsocracy you get 125 percent deposit bonus for whatever you put in up to uh twenty five hundred dollars of course i am gonna go with uh well denny hamlin you can't not bet on denny hamlin he's plus 900 to win the thing he's won it three times in the last four years or five years something like that uh but going a little further down the odds chart here i'm actually looking at Chase Briscoe. Chase Briscoe, I think uh, I like that kid. There's there's something about him. I'm going to take a flyer on him. He's plus 5,000 to win it this weekend. If you're going to pick somebody off the wall, the Daytona 500 is a great race to do it in. It's yep. entirely possible Briscoe could win this thing. I did take a look at uh, my picks for last night. I went one for two. I had Brooklyn beating Washington in overtime. It did not go to overtime, and Washington ended up winning 117-103. I also had Dallas beating New Orleans by 10. They only beat New Orleans by 7. So there's a there's an update on that. I did get a win, at least. Okay, yeah, good. So I'm one for good, four. Good. In the Daytona 500, got to bet on the Fords. Ryan Blaney is going to be my go-to this year. He got a third-place finish or a top-five finish in his duel last night. Fords are looking really, really good. They're connecting well with the next-generation car. Brad Keselowski also got his first-ever duel win last night. He's plus 1,400 to win this thing. He's got the mojo rolling. I like Brad to win the 500 as well. All right, and Ryan Blaney's plus 1,200. Again, you can uh, take your wagers to betus.com, betus.com, promo code SPORTSOCRACY. SportsCenter's coming up next. More football on the way. He's a degenerate gambler. You are a smelly pirate hooker. And he's cheaper than oxygen. He's useless. But somehow, they make it work. Jeremy Green. Tank Spencer. There's no holding back in the sportsocracy. Presented by Ingalls Supermarkets. 
And welcome back into the Sportsocracy here on ESPN Asheville 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. The Sportsocracy heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app, seen everywhere on YouTube. Just go to thesportsocracy.com, click on that live video link, hit the subscribe button. That'll get you into the chat on the YouTube stream as well. Best way that you can get in touch with us immediately here on the program. Of course, the program always brought to you by Ingles. Low prices, love the savings, and we are live in the Ingles studio with Caleb Peak filling in for Jeremy Green, who's on vacation. Jeremy makes it look easy, man. Three days into this, and I'm sucking wind. You're sucking wind? Really? Like, a little bit. You, you, you just got nothing left? I'm used to my little six-minute segment <laughs> once a week. You got me in here sweating, man. Come on, man. We got You, you got to hang in there with us. We got the, we got another hour to do. We got uh, NFL news to talk about uh, as well. If you missed our uh, first hour of the program, we had uh, the machine, Burt Kreischer, on with us at the top of the program. Uh, you can check that out on the uh, iHeartRadio app, of course, live or on demand. You can get the program. Uh, or that is a standalone right now also on the youtube channel so you can go back and listen to that uh but of course wait until after we're done here and then you can go and listen to it while you're on the way down to the thomas wolf auditorium tonight where burt kreischer is in town for his uh birdie boy relapse tour seven o'clock tonight at the thomas wolf the nfl obviously rules all we talked about this uh just a couple of days ago of obviously everything is all NFL centric right now. And it's going to continue to be because there's so many different ways that you can go about talking about what's going on in the NFL right now. And here's the thing. The Green Bay Packers have already said they're all in on Aaron Rodgers. They're all in trying to come back, win a win a title, all of that. And now the new latest news is that they have brought back one of his favorite coaches, Tom Clements, who was the quarterback's coach there with the Green Bay Packers for the early years of Aaron Rodgers' career for six or seven years, I believe, at the start of his career. 06 through 2011. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he comes in second year of Aaron Rodgers, leads, or, or leads the quarterback room up through the Super Bowl, through that first MVP season, and now they brought him back. I guess just trying to make the make the appeal that we're going to do whatever it takes. Now, I felt like the Green Bay Packers should have been at this point last year. You should have been all in, just give him whatever he wants. Because you've waited a year now, and you're in the exact same place that you were last year. Of, you're standing here begging him to come back because you know you don't have a path to winning without him coming back and there was a there was a time period when it was a little bit of a negotiation right you know how it goes when both sides come to the table maybe one has the clear advantage i mean aaron Rodgers is it's his career he spent his entire life in green bay his entire professional life anyway and it's kind of up to him how long he wants to stay there the front office in green bay knows that but they're not just going to come out immediately and just lay it all out on the table like oh we will do whatever you want it's no you got to try to get a little bit of negotiation (laughs) out of it but we're we're way past that now we're at the point where where aaron is 
you know, he's basically threatened to leave. He said, look, if you don't give me what I want, I'm out. And this is a very open, very public, basically just a groveling session by Green Bay. They said, look, we're going to give you exactly what you want. This is your favorite quarterbacks coach. He got you your first Super Bowl ring. Here he is. We signed him for you. And now the news is, you know, Aaron Rodgers is expected to figure out his plan, quote unquote, soon. You know, Mm -hmm. so if he decides against this after Green Bay has already gone on the hook and brought Coach Clements back, how's it going to look for Aaron Rodgers? I mean, this is it's not great for him. He's going to look even worse than he has over the course of this last year. So I think it's a smart move by Green Bay just to come out and put it all out on the record very publicly. We've given you exactly what you want, Aaron. Now it's your turn to step up to the plate. And I don't know if he's going to. You don't know if he's going to come back or not? Uh, I mean, probably. He, he should. If I were him, he would. But I, if, if I've learned anything since 2020, don't count on anything. What you know is not exactly what you know. And I mean, right. who? Aaron Rodgers at this point is the only one who really knows. This is true. I mean, he is a very weird guy. He, you know, he, he comes and goes as he pleases pretty much in his, in his own mind. I just don't know that I would have I, – I, I don't know. I, I wish it would have been handled differently. We can't go back and change it, obviously. There's no reason on harping on the decisions that should have been made last year that are now being made now. Because, I mean, he's got the franchise by the short and curlies. I mean, they, they ain't going nowhere. Like, they have to do whatever it takes. And I don't know how you make that happen. Obviously, we've seen teams go through this cap gymnastics to try to make something work. I mean, Tampa had, you know, did it for the last two years to squeeze Tom Brady and try to get a Super Bowl ring out of it. Thankfully, it paid off in one Super Bowl ring, couldn't pay off on another one. But how far did that, I mean, what, I guess, was it worth it? As a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, I don't care how the next couple of years goes. I have a Super Bowl ring, I have the, you know, the memory of the ring to keep me warm for the next you know 15 years or however long it's going to be before we win another one (laughs) and as a fan that's exactly what you expect right i mean you don't expect your squad to be a new england patriots dynasty you don't expect them to be perennial super bowl contenders i mean you're lucky to get a two-peat i mean if you're you're lucky enough to get a three-peat if you were a chicago Bulls fan in the 90s you were just you were ecstatic right like this is heaven how is this happening it's incredible i mean most of the vast majority of sports fans live their lives waiting for one championship their entire lives and when Mm -hmm. they see it they're happy with it you know what i mean right so you can't expect too much packers are going all in how are they going to be able to make the money work i don't know because i mean next year aaron Rodgers is going to cost them 48 million dollars that's a a lot of money that's a lot to stomach and then if you want to and then you got to figure out also a way to bring back Devontae adams you're already 50 million dollars over the cap for next year so how do you make all that work you've got to try to figure out a way to make Aaron happy and give him some kind of a long-term deal where you can keep pushing this money down down the line I mean he's what 40 years old or getting ready to be 40 yeah, years almost old? 40 yeah and how long do you you're keep stuck yeah how long do you keep trying to appease him at what point do you hit your limit and you're like you know what we can't do this anymore there 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 is no point there is no as long as Aaron Rodgers wants to play he's going to be a part of my franchise I mean that's plain and simple if I if I were in the front office if I were Brian Gutekunst and I were making this decision it's whatever it takes because if he leaves 
I don't have any other options. I don't have an option to go out and get, you know, Kirk Cousins to come in and, and, and fill in because I've got my major mistake waiting in the wings of Jordan Love. I still feel like that's one of the worst draft Ooh. picks ever in the history of the NFL. And and I'm probably being too hyperbolic by saying that. But, I mean, you drafted a quarterback in the first round, traded up to draft a quarterback in the first round who hasn't seen the field. And the only times that he has when your star quarterback's been hurt, he didn't look like he belonged in the league. And I don't think that's just he needs more training, he needs more offseason, he needs more reps. I don't know that it's ever going to help. But here's the here's the counterpoint. Here's here's the argument for getting rid of Aaron Rodgers is that you know what you've got coming behind him. You've got Jordan Love. Obviously, you can't count on him, but you obviously you can't really count on Aaron Rodgers at this point either. He's getting old. I mean, whether it's an emotional thing, whether it's a physical thing, I just don't know how long how long that longevity is going to be for Aaron Rodgers. So if you are Green Bay, you can either A, go all in on Aaron Rodgers like they've swore that they're going to, and obviously by hiring Tom Clements, they have. They, they've kept their word on that. Yeah. If, if I'm in the Green Bay front office, I've got to be thinking, when do we start this rebuild? Because we've got to get it going soon. Aaron Rodgers is not going to last forever. This is a near immediate to near future kind of discussion this isn't five ten years down the road because Mm -hmm. the rebuild is coming it's just a matter of when do you want to get it started because the sooner you start it the sooner it's over and the sooner you're back as a a legitimate super bowl contender but you have to make that decision of are we a super bowl caliber team now and if we make the decision to start over then we're missing out on that window so aaron Rodgers is going to be 39 next year it'll be his age 39 season Okay, we get Devontae Adams to come back. We got, what, three years, maybe? I mean, you expect Aaron Rodgers is going to stick around for, you know, forty age 45 like Tom Brady was talking Absolutely about? Absolutely not. No way. He's already on the fence at 37. What do you think is going to happen in a couple of years? You got you to come up with a, with a win-now plan. How you make that work, I don't know. But bringing in Tom Clements? It feels like a pretty good move of, I'm going to give you a guy that you spent 10 years with in this organization, uh, seven of it as uh, as the quarterback's coach. The other part of the time, he was the offensive coordinator, took over play-calling duties from Mike McCarthy for a little bit, and then McCarthy took that back, and then, of course, McCarthy got fired, and all of that happened, and Tom, Cle- uh, Tom Clements was gone as well. Uh, they also hired uh, one of his former teammates. Did you see this? For the front office, uh, uh byron storer who was a teammate of aaron Rodgers, yeah cal huh yeah i I haven't seen this story but byron storer was he was uh, he's the assistant special teams coach which he served in that same role under under rich basaccia who is now the special teams coordinator in uh, in las vegas so they brought along storer to help out basaccia but he was also teammates with Rogers at Cal, so they're 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 building this little, I don't know, uh, this, this little clique, I guess, ar- around Aaron Rodgers to make him feel more comfortable. I'll tell you what they're building. It's a pressure campaign. Like I said, it's very open. It's very public now. Not only do you have one of his favorite coaches, but you've got one of his favorite teammates from back in his day, back in the day. Probably one of his closest friends, I would imagine, if, if especially if they go that far back. So now you've got Aaron Rodgers on record. I mean, when he makes this decision, it's going to be out there for God and everybody to see. Either, hey. 
I'm in for these guys. They gave me who I wanted, and I'm in. Or I don't care. You can you can bring in whoever you want. You can bring Bill yeah. Belichick to Green Bay, and it, it, it doesn't care. I'm not coming back. Yeah. I mean, this is you've got to make a decision, and it's going to be a very open public and and publicly derided decision after tom brady after matthew stafford are we now living in the age of the mercenary quarterback where guys like aaron Rodgers and russell wilson and kirk cousins whoever will find a way to get away from their current teams and just go to the best spot of just one two year deals like I'm going over here to try to win a championship. Is is this going to become like uh the the LeBron James era of the NBA of let's see how how many super teams we can build. I I think it's a I think it's a good question. I don't expect Aaron Rodgers to go anywhere because I feel like that's already super team level. Like if y'all can figure out how to make the money work you keep Devonte in in house. You keep Aaron in house. You figure out a way to clear the books so you can add as much as you can through the draft. Get him another weapon, and you're steady. You're you're solid. You're golden. You just got to get over that hump in the playoffs, which they haven't been able to do. But I, unlike you know Aaron Rodgers haters, I don't believe that that's all on Aaron. It's all on what's been put around him. Well, if you look around the league, it's. If you if you are one of these teams that still has an establishment quarterback, you're lucky enough because they are. I mean, there's really only three or four left out of the 32 squads that actually have one of those guys. Oh, and yeah. I don't count Kirk Cousins as one of those in Minnesota because what has he done for you? He hasn't done anything for you since he's come there. So hey, he wants a playoff game. Okay, but I'm looking for I'm looking for hardware. I'm looking for some bling, and Kirk Cousins has got none of that. But I mean, so you got Dak Prescott in Dallas. You've got. Uh, I, I would say Justin Fields is probably going to be a long timer in, in Chicago. Maybe, and uh, I think it's a little early for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, if you're Chicago, how can you let him go? Oh yeah. I mean, well, he's, he's well the best I mean, we're, got. well, we're going to see. I yeah. mean, you would you would have said the same thing about Mitchell Trubisky after his rookie year of like, well, they're committed to him, and he may, he may be the quarterback of the future, but I mean, that didn't work out. We all saw after you know after the first year, we were all like, "Yeah, that was that was a mistake. You shouldn't have done that." So, I, Deshaun Watson being thrown into the mix as well. Obviously, all of the things standing in his way of coming back into the league, but he's another one that's out there. Of is is this just the new wave of the future? The mercenary quarterback that you can get on a one or two year deal, bring them in while you've got the shot. <sighs> If anything, it's a temporary patch, right? Like it's that's not the goal. That's if you're a, if you're in the front office, if you are a GM, that's it doesn't make sense to build a team that way. You don't you don't put all the the foundation or you don't put the windows and the walls and everything up before you put the footer in. Mm-hmm. You've got to have a solid foundation to build on. And the quarterback since the existence of the NFL, since the since the AFL days, going back before the Super Bowl, the quarterback has always been the cornerstone that you build everything around. So to really get away from that and to say, hey, we're going to go with the high rent model with the good guys who were just on loan for not in years, but in in terms of months. You know what I mean? It's it really is just turning the whole concept of team building on its head so i don't know what to tell you i don't know if this is the wave i don't know if it's current trend or if it's the future but if it is it's really going to usher in a totally different world in the nfl i mean this is going to be a totally different way of looking at things it's going to be conceptually different and it's going to take a lot of time to adjust to it and 
if there's anything that anything good that comes out of it we could see some other teams start winning that we haven't yeah. seen in quite some time nobody's willing to uh, accept russell wilson's word uh that he wants to stay in seattle i mean it came out earlier this week that he said he want he, i want to sit i want to stick around i want to th win three more super bowls for this franchise first off that's not going to happen nope i don't feel like you are surrounded by the talent that you know i mean his wide receivers are great but everything else around you know in that organization is not super bowl caliber so i feel like if he wants to win super bowls he needs to move on and do that but nobody's nobody's accepting that right now like every day there's another story linking russell wilson to somebody else the philadelphia eagles or the atlanta falcons or the tampa bay buccaneers or the denver broncos i think this is like this is what the the crowd is clamoring for now is we're more fantasy football now it, it, it's not like the guy has to stay with the team that he's with because he's loyal to the team and the team's loyal to him. Now it's like, where can we go to get the best stats? Where can we go to get the rings? Where can I think that's just how the how how it's going to work now. And we want to see the movement, but will the movement actually happen? Is the question. I'll take you bring up the Denver Broncos, and we got to go down this down this rabbit hole for just a minute because. The establishment quarterback in, in uh, Denver is a backup. You bring in Drew Locke, expecting him to be the starter. Things don't pan out preseason. You bring in Teddy Bridgewater. Well, that doesn't go very well either. So Bridgewater's out. Locke comes back in. Now we're talking about Russell Westbrook. Or Russell Westbrook. <laughs> I do that all the time, yeah, too. No, Russell Wilson. RW. Russell Wilson coming in, being the starter in Denver. Who's going to sit behind him? Drew Locke, until Russell Wilson is gone again. And then who's the starter? Drew Locke. It's such a weird thing that your establishment quarterback is QB2. And again, that's something that we've never seen before in this league. It's fascinating. Right. Uh, you are in the Sportsocracy here on ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. What do you think? Are we in the time of the mercenary quarterback now? And how much movement will we see this offseason? We'll continue the discussion up next here in the Ingalls studio. Real estate isn't about properties. It's about people. I'm Clarissa Marshall with EXP Realty, your native realtor serving all of Western North Carolina. I will work hard for you, and I believe in doing the right thing every time. I market each of my listings to reach out-of-town buyers. I use a professional photographer and drone video on every single listing, as well as collaborate with agents across the country to find your buyer. Check me out online at clarissasellswnc.com or give me a call at 828-774-6343. It would be my pleasure to assist you through the real estate process. The Sportsocracy. That is some good, clean family fun there, eh, Kai? Right you are. Tank Spencer and Caleb Peak back here with you in the Sportsocracy on ESPN Asheville. Check us out at thesportsocracy.com. Click on that live video link. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel so you can see all of our team-by-team uh, -team content throughout the, uh, the, the drafting season. Uh, we have all of our seven-round post senior bowl mock drafts up right now on the youtube channel and um yeah we're gonna do we're gonna do more of that as we go on uh heading toward this april's nfl draft we've been talking about going all in and aaron donald he has he has made his thoughts known of sure they had the parade and he was like yeah let's run it back and then he clarified and he said i will run it back as long as you bring everybody else back as well. You got to bring back Von Miller. You got to bring back Odell Beckham Jr. And then I'll come back. First off, um, 
I'm going to say no. <laughs> I mean, look, I don't have anything against those players. If we can make it happen and I'm less need, I'm making it happen. I'm, uh, I said it yesterday. I'm doing the same thing that Jason Light did with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If I can get everybody back, we'll bring everybody back. All 22 starters from, uh, from the Super Bowl. I'll bring them back if I possibly can. If I can't, though, I still don't buy that Aaron Donald is not going to be a part of this team. Yeah, he he has to be right. He's the he is the anchor. In the previous segment, I know I said the quarterback is the the cornerstone of all franchises, but mm-hmm. lately in L.A., I mean, Aaron Donald has been your main go getter. Everyone wants to play with Mister All Madden ninety nine, the well, golden cleat. Well, you knew it wasn't going to be Jared Garf. <laughs> you knew it wasn't going to be him. And Matthew Stafford ain't been around long enough, and he still can't get the, the you know he he's still not getting just desserts from winning the Super Bowl it's like yeah but he's got all the talent around him did he really make that big of a difference he still got his doubters he Aaron Donald's the only one you you can look at and go they ain't no doubt about that dude that dude is a number one in the league first ballot hall of famer immediately he could retire today be done he'd be the greatest of all time oh he's scary right yeah I mean he's just an athletic freak like there's never been in the league the only other person in history that comes close to him as a defensive tackle was Warren Sapp. And I think he has kind of done leaps over Warren. And that's a lot for me to say as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan. I'd like to see Sapp versus uh, versus Aaron Donald in a, a in a 40-yard dash. You know what I mean? Aaron, oh, he would smoke he would eat Warren his Sapp. lunch. Donald can move <laughs> for a big – that's the scariest thing about him. Not, not only is he a beast, but he can fly. Right. It's crazy. Uh, but, you know – they're in the are we in the time of the mercenary quarterback there's only one that i think right now in this free agency period this offseason that's even gonna matter and it's jimmy garoppolo i don't expect russell wilson to move on i don't expect aaron Rodgers to move on i figure they're gonna they're they're gonna figure out a way to make those guys happy keep them in the building because once you got a guy like that you don't let him go whatever you have to do you bring that guy back. It's guys like Kirk Cousins and Matthew Stafford where you go, yeah, okay, maybe. I feel like Kirk Cousins is very uh, very underrated. Uh, Scott mentioned this in the comments on the YouTube stream earlier of if you put him in San Francisco, that would have been a Super Bowl team. Yeah, it's Possibly hard, hard for a couple that. of years in a row. Mm-hmm. As well as they play and as well as Kirk Cousins throws the ball, I just feel like he's never been surrounded by enough talent to win at all. He took them as far as they possibly could with Stephon Diggs and the Minnesota Miracle and all that. They weren't going any farther than that. And that was all Stephon Diggs. Right. You got the walk-off win. I mean, come on. You got to give Kirk a little a little credit. He's the one that threw it I mean, out he there. He threw the ball, but Diggs ran the route. Came I mean, back it was to out it there and shook it. his man. I mean, he kind of put it on the plate for yeah. him. It would drop right in the bread basket. How many food references can I use? <laughs> <laughs> Until you have to get that PhD weight loss spot. Oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's, that's coming in just a second. Um, but to me, it's Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I, I mean, I get Deshaun Watson, but we can't talk about him right now. I don't feel like that's even worth talking about because we don't know if he's going to be able to come back, if he's going to be suspended by the league, any of that stuff. So you take everything off the table. The safest bet right now, if you're a team looking for a quarterback next year, to me, it's Jimmy Garoppolo. And I get that he may not be the flashiest guy around, but again, he has been to a Super Bowl. 
I mean, I think he's pretty flashy. If you're gonna Jimmy G has kind of that Broadway Joe type of type of air about him, right? Does he? I think he does. Okay. With the entourage that he carries around him, he's he's the big San Francisco guy on campus. He's but again, it's you got to win if you're anywhere in right. California, no matter where you are in the state. If you're not winning, you're a bum. Even if you get to the M- NFC title game, if you don't get to the Super Bowl, what have you done for me? You right. Have, yeah, well, you got me one step away from a title. So mm-hmm. thanks for nothing, pretty much, is what that comes down to. It's not exactly fair, but that's the mentality out there. So, I mean, if if I'm Jimmy G and I'm not feeling appreciated, maybe it's time to go somewhere else. Maybe it's time to lift another team out of poverty. I think that's the best way for San Francisco to go. Of Jimmy, we appreciate it. I, I heard, uh, I think it was Mike, Mike Tannenbaum was on the ESPN radio earlier today, and he was talking about how he thought that Jimmy Garoppolo should be retained by the San Francisco 49ers and because he's the guy in the building. You still have Trey Lance's backup plan. You don't want to go into a season, you know, just handing over the reins to some rookie. What happens if he gets hurt? And then you're really screwed because you don't have the guy in the building that knows knows the thing. I just you got to get something out of out of one of these guys if you want to continue to be a Super Bowl caliber team, which I believe San Francisco is in that mix. They're on the short list. You have to capitalize on the assets that you have. I've only got Jimmy for another year. I could trade him, save some money, and recoup assets. And especially if Aaron isn't going to move, and you know uh, Minnesota sticks with Kirk Cousins, they don't—they're not going to make a trade. Uh, Russell Wilson's not moving. I'm not in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes because I don't want any part of that right now. If I'm a franchise in need of a quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo is the one that I can go. You know what? I could probably give up not too much and get him to come in here, and it also drives the price up for everybody else. That's true. If there's one quarterback that everybody wants to go after, then you could probably get a first-round draft pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. I thought that was crazy when I first heard it, but the more and more I've thought about it, I mean, Pittsburgh giving up the 20th pick overall to get Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, if they think they're in a win-now window, that seems like a pretty good idea. If you're going to offload Garoppolo, you've got to be able to find a quarterback, though, that can mesh with Debo Samuel because he is such a unique talent, and he's he's one of those guys that you can't just jump in. You can't you can't land in the city on Friday and play with a guy on Sunday. Not Well, you can, but it's not going to go very well. It takes some time to adjust to this this weird hybrid running back slash wide receiver. You've got to spend time you know, in practice and some, in, during the summer working together, getting on the same page because a lot of Debo Samuel's game is just trust from the quarterback but that's but that's why trey's there i mean you gave up the draft capital last year to get get trey lance you gave up three first round draft picks to get trey lance yeah he's got to be your guy he has got to be the guy that you take it over now and let's recoup some some draft capital by shipping jimmy g out that's been the plan from the jump and i don't see that ever changing jimmy garoppolo could be the piece that some team is missing now, if you throwed him, if, or if you throwed him, that was nice. If you threw him in with the Washington football team, does that instantly make them a contender? I think it does for their division. Yeah, in, in the East, certainly. Yeah, because God knows what's going to happen with Dallas and Philadelphia. Uh, you already have a better situation than Philadelphia, in my opinion, because you got a quarterback that can actually throw the ball. Mm-hmm. 
Um, New York's an afterthought at this point. Yeah, New York's not. Uh, they won't be good know, for another four or five like. years. I mean, <laughs> they're stuck with Daniel Jones, and I don't know what they did. They need to move on from Daniel Jones, but it doesn't look like they're going to. Uh, Brian Daybowl is going to give it his shot with with Daniel Jones, see if he can make that a reclamation project. Indianapolis feels like they're done with Carson Wentz. They're going to save some money by cutting him or trading him out or whatever. So they could be a destination spot for Jimmy Garoppolo, but what about? I think he's the guy. What about New Orleans? I mean, you've got nah, Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston there. Yeah, but they don't have any money. That's the thing. They're killed against the cap. Yeah, I mean, they're already forty or no, it was seventy-five million dollars over the cap for next Man, year. That's they're in a bad situation. And you got to figure out how to how to how to cut salaries and how to you know you're going to lose pieces this year in free agency because you ain't going to be able to bring back to Ron Armstead. You you have no money to work with. You have no claim to any type of Super Bowl contention, in my opinion, in New Orleans. You got a pretty good defense. Got a good coach. I like Dennis Allen. He's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. They're going to keep around, uh, uh, what's his name, Carmichael, that right. has been helping Sean Payton run the offense for the last few years. They're going to keep him around as the offensive coordinator. So... They're trying to just tread water. Yes. They're tr- they're trying to keep their head above above the water right now. One of the biggest problems when the with the NFL is when it comes down to you're paying more you're paying less attention to the players and more attention to your CFO. The financial mismanagement that we're seeing around the league it's really bad. It's off putting. I wanted I wanted to ask you this question. Um, have you have you even looked at the quarterback salaries for next year? Not recently, no. Not I just, since I just want to ask this question. I want to see what your what, what your off the off the top of your head answer is. the 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 highest paid quarterback in the NFL next year will be who? Next year, <sighs> Russell. Russell no, Wilson is not Russell. Russell is fifth, sixth. Excuse me. He'll hmm. be he'll be making thirty seven million dollars. It won't be Trevor That's Lawrence. That's more than $10 million behind this guy. Uh, no, it ain't Trevor. Yeah, it's not he's Trevor. Still he's too young. Deal. He's, yeah, he's, he's still too on a rookie deal. Huh. It's Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is going to make $48 million this year. Based on seniority alone. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's the way that they've structured his contract. Yeah. And the, I mean, they backloaded it so much that now he's in the last two years two years uh-huh. two years of his contract left this year he's going to make 48 the next year he's going to make 46 in the last two years of the deal it's insane that's why i think it's hilarious when people say oh well matt ryan atlanta needs a quarterback well they better draft one because they're not getting that contract taken away from them uh-huh. like no team in the nfl is going to touch matt ryan for 48 million dollars next year aaron Rodgers should everything stay with the green bay packers he'd be at 46 next year Kirk cousins is third at 45 million even and then you got deshaun watson at 40 those are the top four quarterbacks in pay next year deshaun watson is in the top five Mm -hmm. and highest paid quarterbacks Mm -hmm. with everything that's going on wow and get this there's gonna be another 40 million dollar quarterback coming on uh coming online and i'm not gonna be shocked if it's Derek carr now that that i can get behind 
You I, could get behind paying forty million for Derek Carr. Well, what's he done throughout his career? He's constantly progressed, right? I he, mean, no, he hasn't sniffed he the has. Super Bowl. He hasn't been what everyone thought he was going to be, but he's been better than a lot of the alternatives, right? I mean, no. if you need a quarterback, and he's he's a quarterback. I mean, he's not a bad one. He's not a great one, but he's not a terrible one either. He can take the snap. He can complete some passes, and every now and then he'll he'll give you a you like that kind of moment. Yeah. You know what I mean? $40 million, it seems like a whole lot of money for Derek Carr. But there again, I'd say the same thing about Kirk Cousins, and I think they're they're kind of on par with each other after what I've seen this past year. Hey, look, see, I finally said something good about Derek Carr. <laughs> All right, let's get weird. On the weird scale, there's Vegas, there's Florida, and there's Asheville. Let's get weird, Asheville. And, Caleb, can you start us off with the weird news here? Because my story seems to have disappeared from my screen. Oh, it's all good. I'll give, give me you a second to pull this back up, and then uh, and, and you, you go ahead, and then I'll go. Oh, I can bloviate for a second. No <laughs> yeah, worries. All right, so you see, you've seen the video come across your news feed or whatever from Chihuahua, Mexico, back on February 7th when flock of birds uh i wanted to say flock of seagulls i'm not old enough for that though flock of birds flying over this uh this little village this little hamlet in mexico and all of a sudden it's just like a wave it was like an emp hit and every jet fell out of the sky all these birds just crashed to the ground right and some of them fly away but there's there are just carcasses right like there are just birds lying in the street dead because they've they've self they've, they've self-impacted on the ground they just what? fell you didn't see this no yeah, it was all over facebook it was the craziest thing and everyone is like what happened to these birds why are there flocks of hundreds of birds basically committing suicide in the middle of the street it was it's just incredible and so there are a couple of theories right one is that it's uh maybe these birds threw flew flew through a cloud of lethal chemicals but the problem with that is autopsies of the dead bird specimens i'm quoting from the cnn report here would need to be completed to determine if that was the case and we all know the way the the money works in this world nowadays that ain't gonna happen so really now the the general consensus is that it was probably one predator one bird maybe a falcon or something flying high up above this flock of hundreds upon hundreds of blackbirds that caused them to react the way that they did and it makes a lot of sense when you think about it, because your first reaction is right. OK, what a bird brain. You're really you're giving that phrase some merit here. Like that's one of the dumbest things that you could do. You see your predator and the first thing you do is kill yourself. But then what's the entire premise of most horror movies out there? People injuring themselves, trying to get away from the threat. And that's exactly what's happening here. Okay. So you've got your predator outnumbered, but. The birds don't seem to realize that there's strength in numbers, right? And so instead of getting away from the predator, you just take yourself out. And it's just, if mm. you haven't seen the video, check this out. I mean, it's just like, it's a black cloud just ascends on this neighborhood. And a lot of these birds don't fly away. It's just, it, I've never seen anything like it. It's crazy. And it's it's weird. And this is where Jeremy would say, hashtag birds aren't real. <laughs> <laughs> I've got video evidence to prove it. Yeah, uh, we all do. He just doesn't want to buy into it. Um, I saw this and I had to... Uh, They call it a much gentler process. Once someone has passed on, there are a few different options that you have after, you know, for for the body, for the plans, for the body. For your disposal. Right. So I don't want to say disposal, to to lay that person to rest. You know, you can go the traditional route with the casket and all of that and been buried into the ground. There's cremation, which I'm a big fan of. 
of that's that's for me that's the way i want to be handled when i'm done you know just get it over with you know, don't have to have a plot of land with me there you could just carry me around in a sack if you want to i don't, I don't know i don't care what you do with economical it. never heard of this though um this is called aquamation this is water cremation never heard of this before but obviously it's cremation only using water instead of using fire I've heard some people say, have you ever had this discussion with somebody about being cremated after they're dead? And they're like, well, I have this fear of burning alive, so I wouldn't, that's not the way I want it to go. Like, like my dad, honestly, he, this is, this is his mindset. If he wants to be buried in the ground cause he's, he's afraid of burning alive and he, I don't know. I keep trying to tell him like, there's no way that you're going to go through this process and still be alive when they're trying yeah. to, you know, cremate your body. But, uh, you know, I guess so. If you're afraid of burning alive, you wouldn't be cremated. If you're afraid of drowning, you wouldn't want to do the water cremation. This is a new thing that's only it's only legal in about 20 U.S. states. But you can, they will put your body, they'll put the remains into a stainless steel vessel. It, and you'll be submerged in a solution of 95% water and 5% alkali. It says usually sodium hydroxide or potassium hydroxide. The chamber is heated for three to four hours, and it liquefies everything in the chamber except for the skeleton. Well, at least it's warm. I, I guess. <laughs> then, after the process is finished... Your bones are so brittle that they break up. They break apart, and there you have the cremation. the The bones are so brittle that they just kind of turn into dust, and you can be put in an urn. You can they you do whatever you want. The reason that this is not legal in a bunch of states is because one, it's new, and another one is that there's there are a lot of religious, um, what's the word hiccups zealots i oh, guess to it no, well, oh. well i mean <laughs> there are some I mean, of those two right but it's so what happens with with, uh, with all of the waste from this so what you're telling it me it goes is, back into the water system they basically just flush everything down the drain wait right so, so wait so they don't put your remains in like a little ziploc bag or no, something all the like, things that liquefied they just go out with the water the cloudy water just goes out the drain right yeah that's not epa safe I mean, it is. Apparently, is it, it is because it's legal. I mean, it is legal in about 20 states, but there are people that have issues with this taking place in certain states because <laughs> that stuff's going back into the water system. And, you know, they do a great job of purifying water in a lot of places around here. I, but, huh? I don't know if I'd be uh, I don't know if I'd be down for that. I mean, I think things die so, in water all the time and fish die in water constantly. Right. It's true. This yeah. Is true. So if. So if if, fi- if burial by fire is is cremation and burial by water is aquamation, so mm-hmm. regular burial should be called claymation. Clay. Right. <laughs> this makes the most sense to but me. Good job. Thanks. Good job for you. Maybe you'll bring me back. <laughs> sometime. Yeah, sometime. Sometime we'll bring you back. Uh, we got a big weekend coming up in the sports world. Obviously, the uh, NBA is down to the All Star weekend. We got All Star festivities starting tonight. You have the celebrity game, the celebrity All Star game. 
You can't wait. You all excited about can't that? Can't wait. Yeah, right. You can't. The I saw the list of celebrities, and look, I'm not the hippest of people. Y'all know this about me. I, uh, Jeremy makes fun of me all the time for being an old man. But there are a lot of people on uh, on the all or the celebrity all star game that I have no idea who any of them are. Um, the one that I do know, or one of the ones that I do know, uh, Jimmy Allen, who played at Silverados, the country guy. Mm-hmm. He's 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 going to be playing in the game. Um, Machine Gun Kelly, also playing. Then there's Quavo. I know Quavo because he was in the game last year. I think he was the MVP of the game last year. Uh Kane Brown, Miles Garrett, and then even the mayor of Cleveland is playing in the Celebrity All-Star Game. So I guess, I mean, that's the level in Cleveland. Like, who can we get to come be in this? Well, where's Drew Carey? No, you can't get Drew Carey. He's 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 busy. He's out in California now doing Price is Right still, I guess. Yeah, the mayor. We'll get the mayor to do it. I mean, Alice Cooper lives right down the street, doesn't he? You could at least bring him around. Yeah, I mean, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Sub him in the last minute, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Before he gets too winded. Uh, but tonight, it's going to be Team Bill Walton against Team Dominique Wilkins in the Celebrity All-Star Game. Those are going to be your coaches tonight. And then you got the uh, Rising Stars game. It's going to have LaMelo Ball, all those guys. So that's going to be fun. That'll be fun, yeah. All-Star Saturday night has lost all its luster to me. Am I the only one? I mean, it's I I just I've lost interest really and not all interest. I do I do still pay attention of course since I have to come do the sports radio talk thing every right, now and then. Right, but right. it's it's just not what it used to be to me. It's it's just it's such a different kind of game now. The one thing I do like out of All-Star weekend is are the celebrity skills challenges because that's what does make the NBA so great is in my opinion is the way that they can just do the fundamentals, the way that these guys can handle the ball, the the ways that they can get the ball up and down the floor. I mean, it's just it, it's obviously on a different level than you see anywhere else around the world. So that's yeah, I, I'm just a fundamental guy. I'm an old school guy like you, Tank. I like to yeah. see the fundamentals done, and I like to see them done well. So I think that's more entertaining than the Rising Stars Challenge and you know the celebrity thing, whatever it is. It's, yeah, you know, I'm I like, mean, look, the skills competition. I'm never around for. That's always the first thing on All-Star Saturday night, and I always end up missing it. And then I come in for probably the last little bit of the three-point competition, which is always fun. I don't care who's in it. I really don't, because at this point in the NBA, pretty much everybody can shoot threes. You've got to shoot uh, Unless you're Ben Simmons, you're probably going to be in the in the three-point competition at some point. Uh, <laughs> to, uh, by the way, we got so Trey Young, Fred Van Vliet, Carl Anthony Towns, and Patty Mills are in the three-point competition, along with Desmond Bain, Luke, uh, Luke Kennard, uh, Zach Levine, and C.J. McCollum. At least we all have somebody to root against Luke Kennard. So there's that. Duke connection. Can't I just can't do it. Uh, so we will all root against, root against him in the three-point competition. But then the slam dunk competition comes around, and I'm like, wait, so you only got four guys doing it now. It still takes five hours, it feels like, to get it done. And it's just not what it used to be. And you still don't get anything spectacular out of it. And you still don't get Dwight Howard with a cape and the Superman jersey, you know, flying from the free throw line. That's long gone. 
I mean, we'll see. We'll see if they can put on a show. Uh, I mean, you got uh, you got Obi Toppin. Obviously, he's a he's a high flyer. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. You got Jalen Green, the young kid from the Houston Rockets, and then Cole Anthony and Juan Toscano Anderson. Those are those are your four participants in the AT and T Slam Dunk competition on All Star Saturday night. And then, of course, Sunday you got the game which it's going to be final score prediction 197 to 202 i'll take the over on that you gonna take the over Uh uh-huh yeah probably so yeah i mean it's just ridiculous total what it was like 220 points for the winner last year it was unbelievable right so all-star weekend coming up Uh, you know i'm gonna be interested i'm gonna be popping in and out to see who wins what but all in all, what the weekend really comes down to for me is the kickoff of the NASCAR season. We'll talk about the Daytona 500 coming up next here on ESPN Asheville. The Sportsocracy. Fire them cannons. By golly, put more powder in those things. I had to get at least one in before Jeremy comes back because he's not going to let me play that the rest of the year because uh, the Bucks lost and that's that's just... That's just how that goes. Speaking of losing, I've been losing a lot of weight with the PhD weight loss program, and I cannot recommend this life change to you enough. I now weigh 255 pounds, and that's just 12 weeks on the PhD weight loss system that I have lost more than 40 pounds. I am on a roll to reaching my ultimate goal, which is going to put me somewhere in the range of 170 to 175 pounds. That sounds like a lot, and it is, but this program makes it so easy because they give me all the food that I need to get through it. 80% of the food that you need on this program, they will supply it for you. Nutrition or burning fat is 80% all about nutrition. And as long as you're putting those things in your body, you don't have to go through rigorous exercises and all of that. The weight just kind of falling right off. I'm dropping pant sizes like crazy. I'm borrowing clothes from friends who've been skinnier than me for years. You want to have a, a good experience with losing some weight? You need to get a call. give a call to Dr. Ashley Lucas and her folks over at PhD Weight Loss. Just go to myphdweightloss.com. Book a consultation today. I tell you, you will not regret it. MyPhDWeightLoss.com. The Daytona 500 is this weekend, and we had the duels last night. You got two winners. First one was Brad Keselowski. Second one was Chris Buescher, which, man, Joey Logano, he wasn't too happy after last night crashing on the last lap. Now he's going from possibly starting on the second row of the Daytona 500 to having to start at the back of the pack because they had to go to a backup car. So that's a little upsetting for Joey Logano and his fans. Uh, Fans of the champion, though, Kyle Larson, he's going to be starting at the front. He won the pole for the 500. Alex Bowman's going to join him on the front row as well. Then you'll have Keselowski and Busher right behind them on row two as the dual winners. Who you got? Well, the Chevys are up front. 
qualified well all by themselves alone on the track. But in the draft is where it's going to be of utmost importance. And the Fords have got it dialed in, as they have for the last couple of years. But now we're in the next-gen car, which is really kind of going back to the roots, quote-unquote, of NASCAR, if you will. Obviously, it's not a true stock car, but the way these body styles are now designed, it's a little more imitational of the actual production car. It actually looks more like a Mustang, or it looks more like a Camaro, and the aerodynamics kind of react accordingly. And you've got a lot more leeway that you can adjust these cars in race as well. Pit stops aren't going to be as much of a factor either, mainly just putting gas on the car. It's it's how, how long are you willing to stand there and wait for that tank to fuel up? And that could really become important as long as uh, if we, especially if we stay green coming down the stretch. But mm-hmm. in the draft, the Fords are, are they're hooking up. They're, when they're nose to tail in a straight line, they're pulling away from the rest of the field. And it's all the Chevys and the Toyotas can do to reel them back in. So for that reason, Brad Keselowski, I, I think he's on the money this weekend. He's a brand new race owner. He's, he's a third, he's one third of RFK Racing with Roush Fenway Keselowski. Got the first, his first ever win in the duel last night, taking pictures with Jack Roush, all happy and proud. And the way that car is running, I think it's Fords, one, two, three, four. And really? Keselowski drags him across the line. Okay. All right. I'm going to be pulling for my guy, Kyle Bush, but here's the thing Kyle Bush never wins at Daytona. Uh, he's never won the 500. He's only won one race in his career at Daytona, period. So I feel like he's never going to do it. I, I I mean, I actually want to see Chase Elliott win. That's that's my that's become my new fan favorite uh, is Chase Elliott. So I think I, I, I'm going to put all my chips uh, into that basket. Daytona 500 this weekend. You got All-Star weekend as well. All of you have a great one. Go on out tonight to the Thomas Wolf Auditorium. See Burt Kreischer in action if you can. And we will see you back here, not Monday, Monday's a holiday. We will see you back here Tuesday at 3 on ESPN Asheville.